me want to scream. In fact, I think I will. Ah! Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's wrong there, Callie Mae? Well, my sister, she gets good rewards and good grades, and all I get is bad grades and time out. She always gets the best. Hmm. I could help you study if you would like to get good grades, you know. Boy, you always have an answer for everything, don't you? Ah, oh, I'm just trying to help you. You could help me by getting my sister to go far away. Very far away. Hmm. Yep. Oh, wow. This sounds like the story I heard in Sunday school. Wait, you listen in Sunday school? Sure. I love learning about the Bible. Well, let's hear it. Well, we were learning about a person named Joseph. You mean the guy who works at the grocery store? No. This is a different kind of Joseph there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and listen. Okay. Joseph was his dad's favorite. He made Joseph a coat of many colors. This made his brothers very, very angry. I can understand that. Hmm. The brothers sold Joseph into slavery without his father knowing about it. What? The brothers did this because they were jealous of Joseph. Mm. After Joseph was gone, his dad was very, very sad. I bet. Joseph was taken to Egypt, and it was a very bad time for him. Have you ever wanted to go to Egypt, Betty? Shh, Callie, May? Well, I'm just wondering. Don't be silly. It was just a thought. It didn't stay bad for Joseph forever. Good. He was made second in command in Egypt when he helped the Pharaoh understand a dream. That must have been some kind of dream. The dream was a warning about a famine. What's a famine? It's when all the food is gone. Yikes! That's not good. But that was a part of God's plan, you know. How was that? Well, Joseph was put in charge of storing up the food for everyone so they could make it through. You mean his brothers had to go visit Joseph to get food? Yep. What? So, did Joseph get back at his brothers, Eddie? Um, no, of course not. God used something that was bad and turned it into good. Huh. You know, Phantom had brought his brothers to Joseph. Joseph loved his brothers, even though they had done bad things to him. And in the end, everyone in their family got back together. I don't want anything bad to happen to my sister. I was just upset. I don't want a famine to happen just to be closer to my sister. Well, you know, God's not going to let that happen, Callie Mae. Good. Yeah, so now come on, tell your sister you're sorry, and let's go work on those grades of yours. You know what? You're the best friend a puppet can have in the whole world, Eddie. Oh, I really appreciate that. Yep. All right, well, let's go talk to my sister, and I need some help with them grades, Eddie. All right, let's go do that. All right, bye, Bye, everybody. Have a good day. As our children are being dismissed to Children's Church this morning, I'd like to share with you a true story 
as we prepare to sing a hymn before the word of the Lord comes today. It was a man whose name was Horatio Spafford. He was a businessman many, many years ago and uh, fairly wealthy. And he decided uh, after the doctor told him because of the stress he was under, he needed to take a trip. They booked a cruise and they were going to go uh, to England, I believe it was, as I recall. Um, and last minute, as things sometimes happen, he had to he had to cancel for some important business that came up. But he told his wife and, and girls to go ahead and uh, take the cruise. It would be okay, and he would join them later. Well, as his wife and daughters were sailing, going across the ocean, um, the ship met with, um, with its end. The ship went down. His daughters drowned at sea. In a day or so, he received a telegram from his wife that simply said, it was two words, saved alone. So he knew that his daughters had died. He immediately got the first ship that was available to go so he could go meet his wife to console her. And as the ship was sailing across the sea, there came a point where the captain made the announcement that we are now in the same waters where the ship went down. And we just wanted to make you all aware of that. Well, as the history of this song goes, this man sat down, obviously a Christian. He sat down and wrote the words to this song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. So as we sing these words this morning, if you would, think about that story and how the Lord, no matter what we're going through, can provide for us the peace that is needed through any storm. When peace like a
sang that like it is well with your soul too. Thank you so much. If you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to Galatians chapter 5. I would like to join with um, Brother Chris in welcoming you today. We're glad that you're here. So glad. And it's a privilege this morning to be able to share the word of the Lord. I am anxious today. To share the word. We have been for weeks now talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Next Sunday will be the last um, as far as differentiating between those different um, words that are mentioned there that make up the fruit of the Spirit. But I feel like after that, there probably will be one more to kind of tie all them together and understand um, how important they are in our lives collectively. I think we would be mistaken if we were to assume that um, the Lord wants to produce in us a couple of those things, but not necessarily all of those things. But I can assure you today that all of those exemplify the attitudes and behaviors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of those things are to be seen and exhibited in our lives as well. The Lord wants to see those qualities and those things in our lives. So the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22... But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, where we are today, and self-control next Sunday. Now, as we take just a few moments to work our way through this, it's going to be, you're going to have to think with me. Is anybody um, here able to think with me today? Would you just kind of say, yeah, I can do that. Okay. Um, As you read your scripture, one of the things I discovered, of course, I've discovered this before. It's not like I just found out about it this week, but when you go through a, a list like we're doing in this series sermon, uh, sermon series, pardon me, um, sometimes those lists don't match up exactly from one version or translation to another. That is, is true today because if you, like me today, are using a new King James version of the Bible, This particular subject today for us there is called gentleness. Translated gentleness. If you're reading from the King James Version, it's called meekness. It's the same idea, just different words. I think over the next few moments, you may be able to discern why some of the more contemporary translations that have been made in the last hundred years or so versus the King James Version, which was of 1611, why um, maybe some of the words are being changed in some of the more contemporary translations. And we'll address that here shortly. People have a tendency to define meekness in ways in which it should never be defined. Simply because language is always evolving. Language is always changing. When I was just a young boy growing up and I heard the word pot, for me it was probably at that time something you cook in. You cook in a pot. Today when I hear the word pot, it's not a, it's not something you cook in that comes to mind. And probably the same with you, because we hear about pot all over the news. Uh, marijuana, it's just, that's, it's, uh, the word has changed. Meaning of the word has changed, or, or at least enlarged itself to come to be recognized in several forms. The word mouse used to make women squeal and jump and run if there was one in the room. I know here in the daycare now, every once in a while. Uh, once or twice perhaps this has happened in eight years, there would be a, a mouse scene somewhere. My goodness, you would have think a terrorist was in the building with all the squealing and the yelling that goes on. So we'd have to calm everybody down and let them know we'd catch him and we'd set traps and the next day he'd be gone. But that's the way it is. People don't like that kind of mouse. Yet the same women, a lot of times every day, will put their hands on something that's called a mouse and work their way all over a computer. See, the the word has changed. Language has changed. The words evolve. They take on different meanings. And then there's the word sick. 
Years ago, when you, when something, somebody was sick, it meant they weren't feeling well. And so they need to maybe lie down and rest. They're sick. Now you hear somebody sing a song and they do a good job and somebody say, man, that was sick. And what they mean was, that's great. That's beautiful. And so words, words are all the time changing. And that to some degree has happened with this word meekness. Many years ago, when in 1611, the King James was translated, the word meekness um, uh, meant something a little differently than it does now. So that now when we think of somebody being meek, a lot of times it's seen as a weakness. They equate meekness with weakness. I'll assure you today, the Bible is not calling us to weakness. Never. But that's what some people believe meekness means. Weakness. Or someone who is shy. Or someone who is kind of backward and maybe they don't mix with people well. They're reserved. They're, they're passive. They just kind of sit back and, and, uh, never, uh, speak much. Uh, even sometimes people think, uh, people think that meekness has to do with being effeminate or feminine. Now, ladies, I will say to you today, if you are feminine in your actions and your behaviors, Thank the Lord for it, because you're supposed to be. You're a female. However, the word effeminate, if you'll check it, is very seldom ever used with reference to ladies. Because we know ladies are feminine. We know that. We expect that. That's the way God meant it to be. The word effeminate usually is applied when you're talking about a man who is acting in a feminine way. Effeminate is where the word is used. So... Uh, some people think that that's, that's the same thing as meekness. It means you just kind of are, are quiet and reserved and you never say anything or exert yourself and you stay in the background and you're passive and you're, you're kind of fragile too. You're, you just, you know, we, we have to be careful around people who are, are meek because they're just weak and effeminate and so forth. Well, none of that is right. If you'll notice that list there that I've, I've, I've put in parentheses there, none of those are really positive things. They are all kind of negative. Uh, yes, even feminine, because men aren't supposed to be feminine. Men are supposed to be masculine. Uh, sorry, to, no, I'm not sorry either. I started to say sorry to the transgender crowd, but, but uh, I'm not sorry. That's just the way God made us. God made men and women differently. And he did that because that's the way he wanted it to be. He designed it to be that way. So even though we, we look at that, even though we look at that and we, uh, we understand that probably those things are what people think about meekness most often, that is not the case at all. That is not meekness, not in the least. So today we're going to talk about meekness. And I would like to share with you what meekness is. In biblical times, horses that were being trained for war needed to be submissive to the authority of the rider. You all, you all know how that works, don't you? Horses that are in the wild, they've never been ridden. We use the word broken. They've never been broken. 
Uh, you see the old westerns on TV where a cowboy jumps on a horse that's never been ridden before. And most of the time he doesn't stay there long, does he? He's thrown off. Because that, that stallion, that 2,000, 3,000 pounds of horse that's got so much power and energy, that has to be, you have to break that horse and you have to teach that horse to use that power in a constructive way, the way that the owner or the rider of the horse wants to use it. And so in those days, it was spoken about horses if you were refer, if you were to refer to a horse and say that that horse was meat. It meant that that horse was broken. We're going back to the original word now in, in Greek that is translated meekness. And we understand that meekness is not then the absence of power. Meekness is power controlled, power subdued, and power that is used only when the situation calls for it to be used. That's what meekness is. Power under control. Another historical reference that has to do with this original word was a sword in its sheath. In other words, if you were to see a soldier and he had a sword, but it was in its sheath and he was just walking around, you would say that that sword was meat. You can't use a sword. You can't do much with it as long as it's in the sheath. But you take that thing out, you can wield a lot of power and accomplish a lot with that in the right situations such as battle and so forth. So there again, it's not that you don't have a sword or that you don't need a sword, but that it's kept in a sheath until the time when it might just be needed. So we get the idea about meekness, far different than what we've usually thought it was. And so what we're going to do now is transfer from the word Meekness to the word gentleness, which is what some of the translations are using now. Most, to be honest with you, nowadays are using gentleness because it kind of gets away from that feminine weak um, idea and focuses more on the true meaning. Gentleness, that is you, you are under control. You are able to, um, even though you may have power, even though you may have the right to do something or say something, you govern yourself, you bring that power under control, and you are careful in how you speak and how you act. Jesus, the Bible says, uh, was meek. We'll see that in just a few moments. Well, as a matter of fact, I think I'll turn there now. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12 verse 20. Matthew chapter 12 verse 20. And these are going to be the words of our Lord. He is speaking there. And Jesus says about this idea of, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I want to go with Matthew 12 first before I go to the other one. Jesus, this is a passage talking about meat or gentleness um in a prophetic way as talked about in the Old Testament and quoted in the New. These are not the words of Jesus in this passage. You see it on the screen there. A bruised reed, talking about the coming Messiah. A bruised reed he will not break. And smoking flax he will not quench. 
till he sends forth justice to victory. The Bible there tells us that Jesus is a gentle Jesus. He is so gentle, in fact, if you'll notice that a bruised reed he will not break. If you'll picture a reed blowing in the wind and it's broken over. The very nature of Jesus is not to destroy, but to renew, to heal, to to save that from... Uh, he doesn't give up on us, does he? He cares about us. He, when we are broken, he doesn't just cast us aside, but he brings us to himself to restore us and help us and heal us. That's his nature. And smoking flax, he will not quench. You, you may have blown out a candle before and then looked at it after you blew it out and there's a little tiny glow in the wick. It's not flaming, but there's just a little glow there. That, that would be, um, equitable here to smoking flax. And if, if there's life, if there's anything there, Jesus can take that. He's so gentle with us because he loves us that he wants to bring that back. He wants to salvage whatever is there and bring us back to health or burning brightly for him. That's the nature of our Lord. It is true that Jesus was gentle. Now, Jesus was not weak, certainly not weak. Jesus was not um, meek in the sense of the definitions we talked about a few moments ago. There are people who think that Jesus was kind of feminine in his behavior, that he kind of, that he was soft, you know. You might shake his hands and they would just be real soft like a woman's hands. Some people have that idea about Jesus. Well, they forget that Jesus worked in a carpenter shop with his dad. He probably had rough hands. He knew what it was to work and get his hands dirty. And and he, he Jesus was a man. We're going to talk about that here in just a few minutes. He wasn't sissy. He wasn't prissy. He wasn't feminine. Jesus was a man. Every once in a while, as a matter of fact, several years ago, I read a study on this and and mentioned it in a men's meeting one night, and that received more um, um, comments, I think, and appreciation from the men probably than anything I can remember that I've ever shared. And I talked about the fact that Jesus was a man. I mean, a real man. He wasn't a sissy. He wasn't a prissy. He wasn't a weakling. He Jesus was an amazing man, as I'll share in just a few moments. And so when, as we're going to see in a few moments, Jesus says that he was meek and lowly, by no means does that mean effeminate and, and weakling and no, he was not that at all. Meek means power under control. That's who Jesus was for sure, as we shall see. And so we have to, um, have to understand the, the idea that is portrayed a lot of times. I remember several years ago, um, we were singing a song, Worthy is the Lamb. And in that song, there's a line that says, The darling from heaven crucified. Well, one of the men in our church who remains nameless, and I won't, I won't mention who it is because that's not important, but the comment was made, looks like we could change that word darling to something else. It didn't sound manly. Well, as it turns out, we did change it. And ever since then, we've been singing the Savior from heaven crucified. That's much more palatable than the darling from heaven. Bless his heart. You know, and so we have to, we, the, the, the way we present things, the way we understand things, the way Christianity sometimes is, uh, 
um, proposed and put out sometimes is so feminine. A lot of times that men don't even want anything to do with it. Here's a song. Do you think this song was probably written by a woman or a man? You, you guess. Ever gentle, ever sweet. Gentle, ever sweet. His love is like a wind that's whispering. Gentle, ever sweet. Well, I don't see many men writing that. It sounds a little bit feminine to me, which is okay. I've sung the song. I've heard the song. But I'm telling you, if you're trying to reach men who don't know Jesus and you're using feminine language and so forth, that's kind of a turnoff for them. Whereas we're talking about some of the other things that Jesus did, uh, men can relate to much more. And Matthew 12, verse 20, a bruised reed he will not break and smoking flax he will not quench till he sends forth justice to victory. And we have both sides there. We have him being gentle, a bruised reed he won't break, a smoking flax he will not quench. But then we also know that judgment and justice is coming and he is going to exhibit another side, if you will, to that particular um, caricature that we give him. Fragile, some people would say. I heard a phrase a couple of weeks ago that went like this. It showed two pictures. One, it showed like a, a bunch of roses, and then below it, it showed a bomb. On the top of the page, it said, fragile like a flower. We can understand that, right? Do you have a bunch of roses and and if you're not careful the petals begin to fall off and you want to take care of them so and be fragile with them they're, they're fragile you want to take care of them but then on the bottom picture it said the same thing fragile like a bomb and there showed a bomb there about 2,000 pounds a monstrous bomb and on the side of it, it said fragile all over it just like with a flower well you know as well as I know fragile with a flower is different than fragile like a bomb and that's kind of what we're talking about here. We have to understand the meaning of the words meekness. In John eleven twenty eight, I'm going to, uh, excuse me, Matthew eleven twenty eight. I'm going to share with you in Jesus' own words that he is gentle or meek. As we have explained the context of that there. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now listen to what Jesus said, written in red. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Or for I am meek and lowly in heart. And people look at that and they say, oh, that's the example that Jesus is leaving us. Because we're always supposed to be so meek and we're not supposed to say anything and we're just supposed to be so calm and we never get riled up and we never say a word to anybody. We just, we're just meek. And they, and, and some people actually have that idea of Christians that that's what they're supposed to be. Well, Jesus himself said he was meek and lowly or gentle and lowly in heart. And indeed he was. We've shared that already from the Old Testament. 
wasn't Jesus so meek when they brought to him this woman taken in the act of adultery and the crowd was shouting, stoner, stoner, stoner. And Jesus didn't jump in and with that same spirit. Jesus had certainly had the ability to do that. He had the right to do that, but he didn't do it. What he said was, now, among you, this crowd that's accusing her, who among you has no sin in your life? You cast the first stone at her. And then what's the Bible say they did? They all went away because they realized none of them had the right to be pointing fingers at her, making that accusation like that. And he looked at this woman and he didn't, he didn't punish her. He didn't beat her. He didn't stone her as the law said it could have been done. He said, go and sin no more. Well, that's Jesus. He's a, he's a gentle Jesus. He's a meek Jesus. He's a loving Jesus. And you know what? I'm, I'm glad that Jesus is merciful. I'm glad that he's meek. I'm glad that he's meek in the sense that all the times in my life when I may have messed up, he wasn't there to put out my light, but he was there to try to fan the flame and bring me back to where I needed to be. I'm glad that Jesus is that way. He's meek. But at the same time, this same Jesus in John chapter two, if you want to turn with me there, we're going to read an amazing lesson in meekness. The Bible says in John chapter two, beginning in verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and he found in the temple Those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. Now listen to what Jesus did. This man who was meek and lowly. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money. And overturned the tables and he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. If you'll think about what Jesus did there. If I didn't have any other thing to base my thinking on than this passage right here. I will tell you that Jesus was a man. I mean a man's man, not a wimpy man. He was a man. You tell me anywhere you could go in the United States of America when there was a lot of people around and walk in there and start overturning the tables and doing all that Jesus did and and making the whip and running through there and two or three men not stop him. Would they put a stop to it? Do you think they would let somebody just come in and wreck the whole place? No, they'd be stopping him. But Jesus was man enough that nobody tried to stop him. And he just went through and overturned tape. I love what the Bible says. And he he made, when he had made a whip of cords. He gets there. And he sees what's going on. And all the things that displeased him... And the Bible says, and I don't know where he got it, but somewhere or another, he gathered two or three cords together and he made a whip. We're taking a little while to do that. 
He's thinking about it. And then he takes this whip and he goes through there and he's swinging the whip and he's overturning tables and he's running out the animals and the, and the people obviously are just kind of playing. Nobody's stopping him. Now I'll submit to you if he was a little feminine, effeminate, weak, meek Jesus, somebody would have been stopping that man. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, when he was on his way to the cross, and remember they beat him and and they scourged him, and his back was plowed with the Roman soldier's whip, and then he picked up his cross and he carried that thing. After all, he would go. I'm going to tell you, he was a man. Nothing effeminate about Jesus, and nothing weak about Jesus. But yes, he was meek. He was a person who kept his power. Under control. You see, when he went to the cross, uh, some people think that the, the soldiers took his life. What a sad day that was when these mean soldiers came and they took Jesus and against his will took him and crucified him. That, that's not the picture the Bible gives us at all. The Bible tells us, in fact, that Jesus laid down his life. They didn't take it from him, he said. He laid it down. Another song we sing from time to says, He could have called 10,000 angels to come and set him free. But he didn't. He went through with what he knew to be the plan of God because he'd settled that in the Garden of Gethsemane already. He had the power. He could have escaped that, but he didn't do it. The Bible teaches us that the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is meekness. Power under control. We don't have to be weak. We don't have to be effeminate. We don't have to be shy and backwards and all those things that some people think of when they think about meekness. Yes, we have power, the Bible says. We can stand up for Jesus. We can make a difference from the Lord. We just need to understand that meekness doesn't mean cowardly. And meekness doesn't mean weakness. And meekness doesn't mean that we sit by and do nothing. If the Lord is calling us to do anything in these days in which we live, it's to stand up for Jesus. Not be cowardly and hide. Not be so meek that we won't say a word. It's not time for Christians to hide, folks. It's time... It's time for Christians with the Holy Spirit power in their lives to stand up and start taking a stand for Jesus Christ. Now you, I want to give you one more example here of Jesus. Remember, he's already told us he was meek and lowly. But we see him in scripture cleansing the temple. And here's what we see him doing in Revelation chapter 19, the Bible says, this is talking about Jesus. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in his righteousness or in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. 
He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's Jesus. Amen? He doesn't sound weak there. He doesn't look feminine there. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is a time, there is a dispensation in which Jesus is meek and keeps power under control, if you will. Let me illustrate that for you. Jesus came the first time to this earth to be the Lamb of God. John the Baptist saw him for the first time when his ministry was beginning. John the Baptist saw him one day walking and John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The next day he saw him again. He said the same thing. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Isaiah 53 tells us that Jesus would be led like a lamb to the slaughter. And he would not open his mouth, but he would go willingly where he would be crucified. That's exactly what he did when he came to this earth. Jesus came. That's the cause for which he came, to be the Lamb of God. The Bible says he was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That was his purpose. Lo, I come, and the volume of the book is written of me, to do thy will, O God. And he laid down his life. That's Jesus, the Lamb of God. He came the first time like a lamb. The next time he comes, he's coming like a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. With his power on display. The power that he's had all along, but that he kept subdued largely and may I say to you, what's the takeaway from all this? Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not fear. Meekness is not passivity. Meekness is not silence. Meekness is power under control. Unleashed at the proper time and for the proper reason as we take a stand for Jesus Christ. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. Fight the good fight of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and also the shield of faith. The Lord calls us at certain times in our lives to take a stand. There's a time to be quiet and there's a time to speak. There's a time to keep power, prerogatives, and choices under control. And then there's a time to stand up and not do what you want, but what God wants. And stand for Him and be bold. I'm going to ask you, right where you're seated, to sing with me the words to this old hymn.
Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus, going on before Christ the royal master. Leads against the foe, forward into battle, see his banners go. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before. Would you stand with me now? Onward then ye people, join our happy throng. Blend with ours your voices. In the triumph song, glory, Lord, and honor unto Christ the King. This through countless ages, men and angels sing. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus, going on before. Amen. I cannot remember a time in my life when attacks have been coming so steadily and often against Christians. Christianity. It used to be that everybody considered themselves Christian in America for the most part. We were identified as a Christian nation. Now, as you know, Christians are mocked and ridiculed and made of, made fun of. And this book is desecrated and laughed at. This is not the time for us like termites to go into the woodwork and hide. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not fear. Meekness is not cowardice. Meekness is not running. Weak. Listen, meekness is power under control. If you could take away from this today one picture of what meekness is. It's that 2,500 pound black stallion. That could jerk you all over Wake County. If he wanted to. But that stallion has been meeked. It has been broken to the point. That it only releases his power. At the command of its owner. Or whoever's riding it. That's meekness. Not that power is not needed, power is not wanted, that's not it. It's that there's a place and a time 
We as Christians need wisdom from the Holy Spirit to know when to take a stand and make a difference for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Brother Chris. Amen. I've said it before, but I am thankful that we have a pastor that will get up here each week and preach the truth. A lot of pastors these days will stop with, he's a, he's a lamb. He's a lamb. And they don't tell the rest of the story. That he is coming back like a lion one day. So thank you, Pastor. Bow your heads as we pray. Father, we thank you for this time today together. We thank you for the word of truth that has come forth, Father. Lord, we thank you for each and every individual that uh, sacrificed their time this morning to come and worship. Lord, and to praise your name. And Lord, I pray blessings upon each and every person as they go forth this week, Lord. Pray that you would keep your uh, protective hand upon them and that you would bring us back at that next appointed hour. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you thanks today. In Christ's name we ask, amen.